Good morning, Hallmark. Good to see you this morning. My name is Dave Winger. I'm blessed to serve this final day as Hallmark's associate pastor. And thank you for being here. And uh, we have already had an incredible service. Thank you, Stefan. Those songs that were um, selected, the songs you led us in worship in, are perfect for our message today. If you could turn to Psalm chapter 37, we'll be in verses 23 through 24 because uh, the subject matter for today is how the Lord leads us. And I just thought of that old song, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. That's a great statement for every believer to have in their heart. As you're turning to Psalm 37, let me just say that I was saved at a youth camp the summer of 1989 in Livingston, Montana, as a 16-year-old high schooler. And uh, I just felt the clear conviction of the Holy Spirit on my heart. And he drew me to himself, and I could do nothing but respond in faith to God's grace. And I trusted in Jesus as my Savior that night, and his Holy Spirit moved into my heart. And since that day has been convicting me of sin, conforming me into the image of Jesus Christ, and leading me every step of my life. And he still has a lot of work in me left to do. And, uh, but I am submitting to his leadership, to his will in my life, and I trust that you could also give that testimony today, that you follow the Lord, because he is committed to lead us in our lives. Imagine that, the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, not only thinks about us, but he is committed to leading us and being actively involved in our lives. That's an awesome thought. And this passage, Psalm 37, verses 23 through 24, has meant so much to me over the last seven months in my personal life and in the life of our family as we are starting out on a new journey uh, to pastor a church in Georgia. And so I just wanted to share this text with you. Hopefully it's a blessing to you like it was to me. But Psalm 37, 23, and 24 in the New Living Translation says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in the details of their life. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. And in this short passage of scripture, we see four facts about the Lord's leadership in the life of every believer, not just pastors and missionaries, in the life of every single believer. And the first fact we see about the Lord's leadership is that he leads us actively. The psalmist says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. To direct something is, is to take action, to take initiative and all throughout the Bible, we see God taking action. We see God taking initiative. It was his idea to create everything that we see here, taste, touch, feel. It was his idea to speak the world into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was. And then later on, God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. We're here today because God took action he initiated our creation. Not only did he initiate in creation and was he active then, he was active in calling Noah to build the ark. He searched throughout the whole earth to find a man who was faithful and who could hear his voice. And he approached Noah about building the ark and saved his family from the flood. He was active in pursuing an idol-worshiping pagan named Abram in Ur. And he said, Abram. He called him. He took initiative. He 
He acted on Abram's life and made out of him a great nation through which he could reveal himself to the rest of the watching world. God actively sent prophets. He actively anointed kings. He actively sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Savior of mankind. He actively sent Gabriel to tell Mary and Joseph that they would be instrumental in his salvation, that they would be the parents of Jesus Christ. God is active. And the Psalms promises that the Lord directs. He acts on our behalf. I love movies. Not only am I inspired and entertained by them, I am intrigued at what it takes to make a movie. It's an army of creative people coming together around a storyline, bringing all of their gifts and abilities and talents and technologies around this idea to tell a story in such a compelling way that it will stir our hearts and stay with us for years to come. There's movies I've seen that I could quote lines from right now. They were so powerful. And one of the, one of the key players in that whole process is the director. In fact, I would say, I'm not a movie professional, but I would say that the director plays the most instrumental part because he, he acts on different things. He is the one that looks at the scripts and interprets the story, and he, he decides who is in the cast, and he finds the talent, and he uh, figures out what the frame should look like and what the set should look like and, and the nuances of everything. Not only does he know what every actor is supposed to say, he knows how the actor is supposed to say it. I mean, think of famous directors in movies. Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Martin Scorsese, I could go on and on. Frank Capra, It's a Wonderful Life. These directors are so gifted in their ability to see the whole story and to tell the story and to make the movie. Well, did you know that God is the director in the movie of your life? The God of the universe who designed everything that you see. He is directing the movie of your life. He's telling a story. He created you exactly the way you are for a purpose. And he knows the plan that he has for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future, and he's designing the set for you. He is casting the characters that will be a part of your story so that when your story is told, it will bring him honor and glory. God is shouting action from heaven. Sometimes he yells, cut, too. Okay, let's be honest, all right? Cut! (laughs) We're going to have to edit that out. You know, not a part of the script right there. No, he is the director. He's the divine director of our lives. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He's in charge of that. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. God actively designed you. He He actively pursued you, and he actively directs the steps of your life. And whatever happens on set is for your ultimate good and for his ultimate glory. We know that from Romans 8, 28. But not only does this psalm reveal that the Lord leads us actively, he also leads us, number two, accurately. It says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. They could have said the Lord directs the years of the godly or the months, even the days of the godly. But no, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Now that's accuracy, step-by-step direction. That has some implications. I mean, think about the steps that have changed human history. Think about the step that 
Columbus took off the boat onto the shores of a new world. Think about the step that Neil Armstrong took off the space vessel onto the surface of the moon. And he says, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Those are steps that changed history. But did you know that there was also some small steps? Columbus had to take a step to find some funding. He had to ask some people, hey, would you sail out into the abyss with me to find a new land? Neil Armstrong had to get his pilot's license. He took a step at the age of 16 to get his pilot's license, not knowing that he would be the first man to step on the surface of the moon. But God directs every step, the small steps, the big steps. Think about the steps that have changed your life. Decisions on certain days, and you thought they were random, but they were not random. It was God yelling, action. And you took a step, and it set a direction for your life that changed your life. That was God directing you. God directs the steps of the godly accurately. I love technology, and I am so thankful for apps that give you directions to places. In fact, I used to know how to find places without help and turn by turn. I don't think I could do it anymore. I think I might get lost just going to familiar places. But these apps are amazing. And I used to use the app that used to come with my iPhone. I think Siri, you know, gives you turn by turn. And on a trip to Chattanooga, Tennessee with our administrative pastor, Matt, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You need to use Google. The Google app will tell you what lane you need to be in to take a left. The Google app will tell you how many feet before you turn left. The Google map is so much more accurate. And you know what? He's right. I've been using Google for years now. And I love it. Do you realize that just by putting in the address of where you want to go, it already knows where you are. You don't have to tell Google where you are. They know exactly where you are. Okay? So much for privacy. But you put in where you want to go, and in seconds, a satellite in space triangulates the best path for you to get from where you are now to where you want to go. Not only that, it will tell you if there's an accident on the way. It will tell you when the traffic is slowing down, when it stops. It'll give you other routes. It will reroute you. It will predict when you will arrive within minutes. It's amazing. I love it. But there are some shortcomings to the Google app. For example... The Google app, while it gives you direction, it's not perfection because it cannot predict the actions of others. It can tell you if there's an accident that already happened, but it can't tell you if there's some accidents that are going to happen. Ask me how I know. Wednesday, I was driving to Bowie, Texas because I was officiating an internment, a funeral service. That's kind of important to be on time for stuff like that, right, Jim? They were waiting for me in 95-degree heat in the middle of Bowie, Texas. The service was at 2. Google said it'll take you an hour and 10 minutes to get there. Fine, I'll leave at 12.30. See, I had plenty of time. Little did Google know that there would be four accidents in downtown Fort Worth that would push my arrival time back to 2.15. And little did Google know that I probably put the pedal to the metal and beat Google's arrival time by 10 minutes. I'm just saying but shall we sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. I do not advise that. But there are some shortcomings to that technology. But God does not have that weakness. His knowledge is complete. His perspective is perfect. There's also a shortcoming with the Google app in that you have to have a connection 
to receive direction. Sometimes I've started out on my journey, and if you drive out in West Texas or somewhere where you don't have cell service, all of a sudden the turn-by-turn voice stops, and you just see a circle spinning, and then you're in trouble, my friend. You just went back to the Stone Ages. You know, you need to ask for directions. You need a paper map because without a connection, there is no direction. And it's the same with God. God longs to give you accurate direction for your life, but you have to have a connection with Him. Do you remember when the disciples were in a boat in the middle of the sea and a storm came up and they were afraid for their lives? And they looked out and there was a man walking on the water? And, and, and all that seemed to be over their head was under this man's feet. And Peter said, I think that's Jesus. And so he crawl, calls out to him, Lord, is that you? He said, it is I. And he said, well, if it's really you, bid me to come to you. Bid me to step out and come to you. See, Peter had a special connection with Jesus. He was a part of that inner three, and he, he knew the Lord. He loved the Lord. And he's like, if he can walk on water and he wants me to walk on water, I'll be able to walk on water. He says, if it's really you bid me come to you, and, and Jesus said, come on. And so Peter, because of this connection with Christ, steps out, and the water becomes firm beneath his feet, and he walks on water. But then something happened to Peter. He started to pay attention to his surroundings, and he began to get confused, and he got, he got worried, and he took his eyes off Jesus, and he lost that connection, and he started to sink, and he needed to cry out for help. You see, to have accurate direction, you have to have a close and intimate connection. The promise here is that God will direct the steps of the godly. That's accuracy. That's, he actively and accurately guides us, but we have to be connected to Christ. Back in, um, in the 90s, Rich Mullins wrote a, a famous worship song called Step by Step. And it captures this idea of God accurately leading us one step at a time. He says, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. The Lord leads us actively. He leads us accurately. And thirdly, he leads us agreeably. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. Think about that. It's not a burden for God to direct us. It doesn't burden him. When we come to him with questions about our life purpose or what's next or what should I do, it doesn't weary him. Sometimes I'm tired and, and I've got my mind on a lot of different things and the kids will come and they'll ask me questions about something that I thought we've already talked about. And in my flesh, I'm just, oh, I roll my eyes and sigh, you know. Sometimes I'm not a great dad, I'll just be honest with you. I'd be like, oh, I just don't have time for this, you know, give me the, why don't you solve this on your own or something. God is never exasperated by our questions. He delights in the details. Give me the details. Tell me how you feel. Tell me your concerns. Cast your cares upon me. I care for you. Do you lack wisdom? Just ask me. I'll give it to you, liberally, without reproach. I won't make you feel guilty about it. You can come to me with the same question every single day, and I am ready to answer every single time because I delight in the details. He delights in that. 
Maybe you've, uh, maybe you've had the experience where you're trying to, to tell your kids something and give them important instructions, and you're talking to them and giving them the list of all the things they need to do and all the things they need to know, and you're about a minute and a half in, and you realize that they've had their headphones in the entire time, and they didn't hear a word that you said. That's never happened at our house, but I've, I've heard that it's common, you know, and it happens all the time uh, with, with teenagers, but it, it exasperates you. You're like, why am I even, why am I even talking right now? You're not even paying attention. God never does that. He delights in the details of our life. He agreeably leads us. The word delight here in the Hebrew is kafetz. It means he takes pleasure in, he likes, he's zealous to. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Zephaniah 3.17. Psalm 147.11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. He never sighs and rolls his eyes. In fact, the only thing that I think God enjoys more than directing the details of our lives is when we actually walk in his ways. When he shows us what to do, shows us where to go, and then we go. I think Jesus had the biggest smile on his face when he called Peter and Peter actually stepped out of the boat. It's like, really? You want to walk? Okay. I'll suspend the laws of nature if you step out. And Peter stepped. And I think Jesus was loving it. Yes, come on. All 12 of you could walk on the water. If you'd step out, it delights him when we walk in his ways. If he cleared the path before us, shouldn't we walk in it? When God obviously opens a door, why should we look for another way in or try making our own door? We, we should follow his lead. It delights him to do that. I heard a quote last week that just really impacted me, especially given uh, the decisions we've been making lately. And it says this, there is no consequence for obedience that God can't handle. Think about that. There is no consequence for obedience that God can't handle. He suspended the laws of nature so that Peter could obey. He can move heaven and earth if we will simply step out and go where he's guiding, walk where he's leading. You know what would be enough if the Lord promised to lead us actively, accurately, and agreeably? But the psalmist adds one more fact to the Lord's leadership. He leads us, number four, affectionately. Affectionately. In verse 24, it says, Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. He holds our hand. You see, God doesn't just design the perfect path and then watch us walk it from a distance in afar and say, hey, okay, I've given you all the information you need. The path is clear. Go for it. I'll be cheering you on from way up here. He doesn't do that. He clears the path. He gives us the instruction, and then he takes us by the hand and says, you know what? I'll just walk with you. That way, if you stumble, you're not going to fall because I'm holding your hand. Isaiah 41, 13, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. And the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13, 6. If God is helping 
me if God is holding my hand and leading me down the path that he's planned? No one can take me out of the Father's hand. Drew and I were out hiking uh, the other week and there was a creek that we needed to cross and it was a little too wide to jump across. It was a little too deep uh, to walk across. We didn't want to get wet. And so we started looking for a way across. We were looking for a, a tree that maybe had fallen across that we could walk across. And I thought, well, there's no better time than the present for Drew to learn his creek crossing skills. Every man should know how to walk across a creek on a log. They should be able to discern if the log is too slippery or mossy, if the log is wide enough, if the log will support our weight. It's a man thing, right guys? Can I get an amen? Every man should know how to cross a creek on a log and it doesn't hurt for you ladies to learn it as well, okay? And there's some trial and fa failure, you know. I've, I've fallen into many creeks, many rivers. I fell into the Gallant River one time as a little boy in Montana. Thank the Lord I didn't drown or, or get washed away. My dad was there to save me, but that's another story. But I thought, this is it. This is Drew's chance. We're going to learn how to cross a creek on a log. And so we found one, but he was a little worried. He didn't want to get wet, and he was a little scared. And so what I did was I walked out on the middle of the log, and I reached out my hand. I said, hey, just take my hand. And when you grab my hand, I will walk with you across this log. And even if you slip, I'll just pick you up. You might stumble, but you're not going to fall in because I've got you. Now, reality is he could have pulled us both in to the creek, okay? <laughs> and my plan would have failed. But thankfully, it worked. We made it across to the other side. But think about that. That's what God does with us. He calls us out of our comfort zone. He asks us to take a step to a place we've never been, to something we've never done. And he says, listen you know what, just take my hand, I'll help you, I know you're scared, you can do it, but just hold my hand, I'll lead you the rest of the way, there's an old song that says, put your hand in the hand of the man that stilled the water, put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the sea, put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee, he'll guide you, Jesus, he'll take you by the hand. Bill Gaither said many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. God leads us affectionately. That's wonderful to think about. He knows we're afraid. You know, you can tell a lot about a person when you hold their hand. You can tell if they're strong. You can tell when they're weak and frail. You can tell when they're nervous and their palms are sweaty, or maybe their hands are shaking because they're afraid, you can tell a lot about a person when you hold their hand. And God knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly how we feel. He knows if we're weak. He knows when we're strong, and he takes us by the hand and leads us every step of the way. He's affectionate. I'm so glad for that because sometimes my faith is not where it needs to be. I'll be honest. And I think in that story of the disciples in the storm and seeing Jesus on the water, I think if Jesus had called me to step out of the boat, I'd have said, no, I'm okay, thanks. I'll watch Peter go. Good job, Peter. Way to go, man. Everybody give it up for Peter. Not me. Sometimes I'm, my faith is weak. Because, I, let's be honest, sometimes we make our comfort an idol, don't we? I'm comfortable. I like the way things are. This feels good. This is, if, if this is my life, this is good. 
I'm comfortable. And we make an idol out of our comfort. Sometimes we make idols out of our family. And family's important. It's so important. But God's purpose and plans for us are bigger than us. They're bigger than our families. They're bigger than the circles that we run in and the friends that we know. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all all that we ask or think. And sometimes he calls us to step away from our comfort zones. He calls us to step away from those things that compete for our affection. And it's in those times where I am hesitant that he pulls my hand and says, let's go, let's go. Joshua 1.9 is a passage that many of you know and love. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. He's with you. And that's a verse of encouragement, but I think you need to remember, and and this really helped me to remember this, that it's not just an encouragement, it's a command. God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord, your God, I'm with you wherever you go. Be strong. Come on, step out. Take my hand. Step out. Step away from your comfort zone. Step away from what's familiar and follow me. I'm directing every step of your life. By way of application today, I wanted to share with you how the Lord has led our family in this journey to Georgia. I've been blessed to serve here at Hallmark for 17 years in various roles. I was hired as a worship pastor back in the day. Pastor Haley, when he interviewed me, I told him, I said, listen, I'm not a music minister. I don't have a music degree. I'm a singing preacher. Because back at Liberty University, my sophomore year, I felt a distinct call on my life to do full-time ministry. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I just surrendered to him. It was an I surrender all moment. I just put a blank check out there. I signed the bottom, and I said, God, I'll go wherever. I'll do whatever for your glory the rest of my life. He took me up on it. I was blessed to serve. Right after I met Donna, we were married. We went and served as, as uh, youth pastors. And I told everybody I'm a youth pastor because I'm a young pastor. God's called me to preach. I felt that in my, in my heart. And then we went to Talladega, Alabama, and I served as a worship pastor and an associate pastor. But God's called me to preach. And then we planted a church on staff in Chicago, just outside Chicago, as an associate pastor, worship pastor. But God had called me to preach. And then we came here to Hallmark so many years ago, and I told Pastor Eli, I said, I'm a singing preacher. He said, oh, I'll preach you. You'll preach. But I need you to lead my music. And so we were blessed to do that. And then I took on other responsibilities, and then Pastor John came, and John said the same thing. He said, man, I want you to preach and use your gifting. But I was blessed to serve as associate pastor for many years. But, and I was content, and I was comfortable. But all the while, I had this stirring in my heart. God, what's my next step? Is there a next step? Is there a church out there that needs a pastor that's like, that's like me? And so I prayed, and I sought the Lord, and Pastor Haley, both of them, prayed with me. And they knew I was struggling with it, and I tried to be content and 
And God did give me a contentment here. Man, I love Hallmark. It's a great church, great people. They love us. They love our family. Man, you guys are good to us. But at the same time, there was a tension. And so I just kept praying. And I was talking to a friend of mine back in December and telling him that, you know, I'm praying about, does God want me to be a pastor? Am I supposed to stay here? What? I'm torn. Am I being selfish about this prayer of mine? And, and he said, well, do you feel called to be a pastor? Well, yes, but God knows where I am. He knows what I'm doing, and if there's some church out there that needs me to be their pastor, they'll find me, thinking that's a good spiritual answer that I gave this friend of mine. And my friend said, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life. I said, what do you mean? He said, Dave, that's like a 30-year-old guy that desperately wants to be married that never leaves his mother's basement. Well, the perfect girl's out there somewhere, and... You know, she's just going to discern that I'm down here at this particular address and have this heart's desire to find. He's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How is any church in America supposed to know that you're open or available to take the next step unless you say something? You have to say something. Pray as if it's all up to God, yes, but work as if it's all up to you. You have to do something. There's a practical side to our obedience. God leads us mystically, yes, but there's practical things that need to be done. And so I started looking for a church in need of a pastor, and I found a church called Hopewell Baptist Church online. I started watching their services, and I just, I just bore witness with what was happening at their church. There's no way to explain it. It's just kind of a mystical thing. They, they were doctrinally sound. They were a lot like Hallmark. It was very familiar to me in that regard. A church very much like Hallmark. It was a worshiping church. They didn't just watch what was going on on stage. They joined in. They worshiped. They lifted up Jesus. And I just bore witness with them. And so I just thought, well, I think I'm just going to send them my resume. I'm just going to step out of the boat here, and I'm going to send them my resume. There's no way that they'll ever call me or pursue me. I'm not connected in any way with this church. I don't know any of them. We're not from there. We don't, they don't know who I am. There's a seminary. 30 minutes from the church, there's got to be 20 guys that they know in that seminary that'll pastor this church. I tried to talk myself out of it, but I, I sent my resume in December, December 17th. Didn't hear anything for a couple weeks. January, I get an email from their search team. We're delighted to inform you that we've narrowed our search to a select number of candidates, and you're among them. Would you like to proceed? So I said, well, I better tell Dawn about this. <laughs> and so I told Dawn, I said, hey, I got an email from a church in Georgia. Oh, really? Yeah, I may or may not have sent my resume in December. Oh, really? I said, they want to move forward with this. What do you think? She said, isn't this what we signed up for? Right? Yeah. If you feel like this is God, say yes. We'll see. But they're probably not going to call you. There's probably 20 guys that they know at that seminary that'll pastor this church. We don't know anybody from Adam. We're not from that area. It's probably, but I mean, you know, yeah, say yes. Go ahead. So I said yes. In February, I got a phone call from the chairman of their search team. 
you said, hey, I just wanted to give you a call and uh, hear your voice. We've been praying for you. Wanted to meet you. And I wanted to see if God is still stirring your heart to be a pastor. We've narrowed down our choices, and you're among those choices, and we'd be interested in meeting you. We feel God's at work. And I want to know what you say. Do you say yes? Are you interested in continuing? Yep. I'll step. I'll step out. So one more step. Then in March, I had an interview over Zoom with all eight of their search team, four guys, four girls from the church that have been chosen by the church to find the next pastor. And I'm telling you, they're the sweetest people. Went around the table and they asked questions and I answered questions. Some of the answers I gave, I thought, well, that's it. The way I answered that, it's over. They're going to shut this down. And instead, they were just looking at each other and smiling and nodding. And then they asked me another question and we talked for two and a half hours. And they prayed for me. And a couple weeks go by and the chairman calls me and says, hey, the interview went great. We have such a peace about you. And we want to come and hear you preach. I said, wait, you want to come here to Fort Worth? And Henry preached. He said, yes, six of the team were able to fly out to Fort Worth. We want to come to your church and hear you preach. I said, well, I'm not in charge of that. I'm the associate pastor. I preach at the pleasure of the pastor. Whenever he schedules me, that's when I preach. And so let me talk to Pastor John about it. So I talked to Pastor John. And uh, man, Pastor John has been so great in this process. So supportive. And that means the world to me and to Hopewell Baptist. Anyway, Pastor John said, well, let me take a look at the preaching calendar. I plan a preaching calendar back in December. We'll see what it looks like. Uh, When can they come? They gave me the date, April 25th. That's when all six of them were able to get a flight and come out here. And so... He's like, well, let me look at this. And he had scheduled me to preach Sunday, April 25th, back in December, uh, part of the uh, Be the Branch series. And so he's like, well, that's a coincidence, isn't it? And so they came. Uh, We hosted them for dinner on a Saturday, the 24th, in our home. They snuck in during the 1030 service, two by two, sat different places in the sanctuary. April 25th, Pastor John sought them out, found every one of them, made him feel really uncomfortable. Uh, uh, that's, that's his thing, you know. And, uh, and so I preached, and then after church, we hung out with him the rest of the day. And Monday, the chairman called me and said, we are 100% positive that you are supposed to be the next pastor of Hopewell Baptist Church. And we want you to come and meet the staff and tour the facilities. So they flew Don and I in, and we had a wonderful time meeting the staff, wonderful folks, touring the facility there in Gainesville. And then we scheduled a day for me to preach in view of a call, June 6th. So they flew all six of the Winger Nation to Gainesville. And on a Saturday before church, we met uh, a lot of the people at a come-and-go reception. And so many sweet people came through and shook our hands and and greeted us lovingly, warmly. Again, it just reminded me of Hallmark in so many ways. And the people were so sweet. And then I preached in view of a call. Every step of the way, God actively led. He accurately led me. He agreeably heard my prayers. 
He knew my heart. And then he affectionately led me. And let me share with you how that happened. Every single day of my life, I see a hawk. Okay? I just have a thing. I see hawks everywhere. And you probably do too, and you don't even notice it. But for me, it's special. I see hawks. I point them out, and my family makes fun of me. Yes, Dad. Okay, Dad. We see a hawk. There's another hawk. Yes. And I said, you know what? Maybe God is allowing me to see my guardian angel in the form of a hawk. And they rolled their eyes and thought that was ridiculous. Okay? But it was just a way for me to justify this is my infatuation with hawks. Anyway, I love hawks. I see them every day. Well, when we were were put up in Gainesville, we were staying at an Airbnb there, and there was a, a deck off the back in woods, and Saturday night, I'm in preparation, getting ready to preach, and view to a call the next day, and my wife looks out on the deck behind the house, and on the deck, there sat a hawk. He landed on the deck of the house where we were staying, where we feel God had led us, and I thought, there's my guardian angel and my kids mocked me they're like dad come on but at the same time they were a little creeped out by the coincidence okay and my daughter Danae said dad here's the deal if that hawk is still here in the morning I'll believe it guess what we woke up the next morning there he was he had not moved all night he stayed in the same place and so then I said, well, he's probably injured. And so now we're going to have to, we're going to have to add an activity to the Sunday that I preach. We're going to have to call the fish and wildlife people. They're going to have to come out and help this poor hog because obviously his wing is broken. There's no other explanation why he would be staying here. And so we all joked about it a little bit and everybody went to get ready. And then the hawk turned and flew away. It was awesome. And just before he flew away, he looked at me and he winked and he went like this. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That did not happen. And, and, and let me clarify, I do not believe that hawks are my guardian angels, okay? Let's just get that out of the way. What I'm saying is, is that God leads us affectionately. He knows that I am cheesy and corny. He knows that sometimes I get mystical and emotional. And I honestly think, I truly believe, that as he directed my steps... He said, you know what? Send a hawk over there. Let the hawk land on the deck. Just give it to him, okay? Give it to him. And then the hawk was like, how long should I be here? Can I go now? No, wait. Wait. In the morning. Now? No, wait. Okay, now you can go. And he flew. I'm telling you guys, God knows what we need. He knows exactly well, we need because he made us. He affectionately holds our hand every step of the way. And he doesn't just lead pastors and missionaries. He leads every single follower by faith. He leads you. And he is active. He's at work. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. The song says he never stops. He never stops working. And he's accurate every single step of your life. He's designed it for you. And he loves doing it. He loves you. What's your next step? What is God leading you to do? Do you need to trust him for your salvation? 
He's been convicting your heart of sin. You know he's drawing you to himself. You just need to step out in faith and receive his salvation by grace through faith. He'll change your life. You can do that today right now by turning from your sin, turning from your self-effort and trusting him for salvation. Do you need to be baptized? You have faith in him, you're following him, but you've never made a public declaration of your faith. You need to get baptized. You need to take that step of faith. Do you need to surrender your life and just give a blank check to God and say, I'll go wherever and I'll do whatever for your glory? You need to take that step of faith. He'll prepare your way. He delights in the details of our lives. Let's stand together. And as we close our service this morning, the band is going to come and lead us in a, in a perfect song. I believe and I will follow you. That's what the song says. You need to trust that God is leading you. And you need to say, God, I surrender to your leadership. I trust in you. I'm taking you by the hand and I will step out in faith. And he's saying to you, be strong. Be courageous. I'm with you. Wherever you may go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness in our lives. I thank you for the fact that with all that's going on in the universe, you think of me, and you don't only think of me, you, you direct me. You're concerned about every detail of my life and every detail of their lives. Lord, we, we're blown away by that knowledge. But I pray now that we would step out in faith, that we would take your hand, that we would take that obvious next step because, Lord, there's no better place to be than in your perfect will. There's no better place to go than where you're leading us. So, Lord, help us all to trust in you. You are so good. In Jesus' name. If you need to pray this morning, the altars are open. If you need to take that step of faith and trust Jesus for salvation, Pastor John and I are down front. We'd love to show you how to do just that. Let's worship today.